Welcome to Coffee with Jamie, a show about how to get unstuck from some of life's stickiest stuff, like burnout, divorce, loss, and more. Here is your host, Jamie Finney. Good morning. How is everyone doing? I say that like I I have a big group of you out there listening. I don't know who's out there, but I'd sure love to learn over time. All right. So this is the first ever episode of Coffee with Jamie. It's a show about getting unstuck. And my goal with this show is to break it into three segments each episode. Um, I start by sharing some of my own personal stories about things that have happened in my life, stories of being stuck and and how I worked through it. Um, the second segment, I basically revolve it around a theme. This week's theme is compass of intention, for example. And um, what I'll do is I'll explain what it is, how you can get yours, and, and then the third segment of the show is where I like to pull in your stories, your experiences, and even your advice when you have it. And the way that we'll do that is through email, through Twitter. Um, those are the best ways to reach me. And so each show hopefully will build on the previous and kind of evolve throughout a season of 13 episodes. And uh, yeah, we, we're going to do this every Wednesday morning from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific time. And yeah, that's kind of the format. And so I guess with that, we just dive in and, uh, you know, bear with me. It's my first ever and I have no real idea how this is going to go. But, um, I, you know, I guess let's just uh, let's start with um with this whole theme of the week, compass of intention. Um, In kind of explaining how the compass of intention came to be, I want to kind of go back in time and tell you a little bit of um, one of the, I guess, darkest times of my own life. It was in 2012. Um, I worked from home at the time. Things seemed to be going pretty great. And um, my dad stayed the night one night. It was actually, it was Sunday, Easter Sunday. It was um, like April 8th, (laughs) 2012. And um, the date's not really important, but sometimes those things help me remember. And so, um, yeah, it was just like going back. It was a Sunday. My dad had been out on the road traveling on his motorcycle. He stopped by my house to stay the night. We stayed up late talking about life and stuff. It was pretty great. And the next morning he was headed home. He lived in rural Nevada, a couple hours north of me. I live in Las Vegas. And um, so he, he left in the morning as I was getting my daughters ready for school and um, I invited him to come have breakfast with me before I started my work day, working from home at the time. And, um, and he was like, no, no, I need to get home, got things to do. So next time, but not this time. And uh, a few hours later, I got a call from Mary, my stepmom. And she said, hey, I know he was leaving around eight. He hasn't he hasn't made it home. I haven't seen him or heard from him. Have you heard anything? Did he leave on time? And um, anyway, I, I guess come to find out, uh, my dad had been in an accident and he didn't make it. 
And um, my voice shakes every time I tell this story. So bear with me. Um, it was a difficult, a really difficult call to get. And with everything going on in my life at that time, I had been working in the web industry. I was doing mobile app stuff at the time. And on paper, I guess, it kind of seemed like everything was great, right? I was working from home so that I could be a more present mom. I had kind of designed my life into that situation in a prior circumstance, which we'll touch on down the road. But um, in this particular one, it was like, you know, things were going pretty well. I had clients that I enjoyed working with on projects that I enjoyed working on. And then my dad passed away and it was it was this really strange disconnect from everything that I was doing. So, you know, in the, the weeks that followed um, his passing, I just felt this really great disconnect from what I was doing. It was like, I, I just couldn't muster the care or the energy or, or anything to pour myself into this work that I was doing, design work for mobile apps, right? And, you know, as a designer, I had poured so much care and heart and emotion into my work that to not be able to do that felt absolutely irresponsible as a designer. And so it kind of, it just... It just kind of, it built over time. The more I tried to work my way through this, this feeling, the further this feeling of disconnectedness, I mean, the greater it seemed to grow. And, and you know, I thought, I'm just going to throw this out there. I thought I was kind of an expert in loss, to be honest with you. And the reason I thought I was kind of an expert in loss is because I'd been through it a few times before in my life. Um, going back to when I was 11 years old, I lost my 15-year-old brother in a car accident. It was a, a drunk driving accident. He was in the car. Um, he and his friend had were leaving a party. They had both been drinking, rolled the car. They were the only ones involved, the only vehicle involved, but my brother uh, lost his life in that accident. And so at age 11, I learned a very impactful loss um, at an early age, right? And so with that loss, my parents were really fantastic examples of, you know, like being strong and showing up. And even though really negative things happen in life, we have to keep showing up. We have to, you know, try to find the positive and work our way through it. And so that was, you know, kind of instilled in me at an early age. And, um, you know, my dad was always like, love what you do. Life is too short to waste time on things you don't love. So make sure that that's what you do. And, and all through, you know, growing up, I, I, that's how I ended up being a, a designer. I wanted to be a designer. I went to school for metalwork. I, I was an art student and I put my emphasis in drawing and metal sculpture and then realized I needed to make a living. And around that time, the internet was kind of blowing up. So um, <laughs> 1998, 99, I learned, I taught myself how to code websites and then design websites. And so getting in on that game pretty early, I was really loving what I was doing. And, you know, fast forward, I felt like I never knew 
how much I loved what I was doing until I experienced another loss in my life. So, you know, that, that loss of my brother, I feel like my parents helped us instill that value of loving what you do. And that guided me into this design career, web design career. And I was going along my merry way with my design career. And, um, and I lost my mom very unexpectedly at, at age 27. So um, with that loss, that one was completely unexpected. I was much closer with my mom when she passed than I was with my dad at that time. Um, and so what was interesting about the loss at that time with everything I had learned from the loss of my brother, from my parents, you know, it was try to find a positive from the negative. And for me, that was my work. I didn't have kids at the time. Um, and so pouring everything I was feeling into my work became my salvation. It was everything. And it made my work better. My design work, you know, just, it's just plain old web design, but you know, it, it, it gave me an emotional platform to work through. And I, I, I guess that's me putting a positive spin on a, a terrible loss. And, and so it helped me build my career. My career got bigger and stronger and better. I eventually, um, you know, went on to own, become a, a partner in my own animation shop. And over time, I, I moved on and joined Zappos. I helped produce the very first mobile apps for Zappos. I helped, um, if you're not familiar with Zappos.com, it's a pretty well-known shoe company, but they sell more than shoes now. But yeah, so I went on to do a bunch of stuff like that. And my career just, you know, the more I poured my pain and my emotion into my work, the, the better um, my work became. And so now you know, is it almost 10 years to the day of, you know, the loss of my mom, almost 10 years to the day later, it was 10 years and a month later that I lost my dad. And so I thought I've been through this loss stuff before. All I have to do is pour myself into my work. I'll get through it. I'm going to be all right. But that is not what happened at all. Instead, it was like, and I always use this analogy when I explain it, but it was like, if you have a helium balloon with a little string tied on and the helium balloon is my work and I'm the string and somebody just came along with these big scissors and snipped the string and my balloon sailed off into the sky and me, the, lim the limp little noodle of a string just fell to the ground. And I couldn't seem to get myself up off the ground. So that was that was a deep, dark time. And that was, you know, kind of my first real experience at thinking, oh my gosh, like I have built at that time about a 15-year career. All I'd ever done in my whole life was like work on being the best designer I could be. And it was all I really knew. Um and so I thought, what am I going to do if I can't do that? I now have, you know, at this time in 2012, when I lost my dad, I was a fairly freshly divorced mother of two. And, you know, so at that time I had, I think it was, she was an eight-year-old and a four-year-old and, um, you know, independent mom, just kind of doing my own thing and getting by the best I could. I wasn't struggling. I had a great career, you know, I was doing all right. But then this happened and I didn't know what I was going to do because I suddenly felt like the only thing I could do 
I wasn't able to anymore. It was hard enough just to get myself, you know, scrape myself out of bed in the morning, let alone actually, you know, do some work with some intention and care. And um, so that began began this really long journey of trying to figure out what I was going to do if I couldn't do the thing that I loved. And um, yeah, and so I'm going to kind of take a little uh, diversion and you know, discuss the six things that really only hindsight can give you, right? So it has been almost 10 years since my dad passed away now. And it's the hindsight of the time since he passed, what I've worked through, what I've gone on to do, and kind of now kind of looking back and telling it, um, it's taken that sort of time to kind of figure out, okay, this is what I did to to work through the pain, to work through the loss and the grieving. Um, there have been so many ups and downs in between, it, you know, not just loss, but then, you know, the feeling of career burnout, um, there, that folded in there. Building an entire new company has happened in between. My um, now husband and I built, uh, we basically took an idea to reality. We launched it. It went viral the day it launched. So I'll cover some of that as we go. But I want to give you the six things that hindsight have given me. When I look back, I can say, these are the six steps that I I used to work through all of these things, um, including this global pandemic, which I'm still sort of working through. I don't know about you with this, this global pandemic as we enter our third year of it still going on. Um, holy macaroni, right? Is it? Yeah. Third year. I had to pause for a moment, count on my fingers to make sure I was stating that because it doesn't seem right to say we're going into our third year, but it is 2021, 20, 22. We're heading into, oh my goodness. That's something. All right. So the six steps, I'm just going to run through those. So you kind of know what this season of Coffee with Jamie it holds in store for you. The first one, which we'll focus on today is the compass of intention. And it's all about what's important. And I'll dig into that a little bit after we get through the six sort of overarching steps here. The second one is, I call it big bulky desires. It's basically, what do you want in life? What does it look like? You know, you it's, it's about seeing it. It's about writing it down. Um, so we'll dig into that in a, a couple episodes. We're going to touch on a number three, which is confess and address. And this is where we really dig into what stops you, being honest with yourself, um, focusing on the weakest link in whatever it is that stops you and chipping away at it. Um, This number four is called, I call it tiny challenges. I can't wait till we get into that one. That one is at least two episodes, maybe three. Um, Tiny challenges is really kind of one of the keys that helped me get unstuck. And so we'll dig into that, but that's, it's sort of like cross training and breaking things down and chipping away. So, and it's really actionable um, on how to get out of your own way and start doing stuff. Um, the Number five is action packed. It's about making a pact to commit um, and then sharing it and taking action. And so we'll dig into that down the road in the season. And then the sixth one, the number six step is go the distance. Um, that is inspired by one of my all-time 
favorite movies, the movie Rocky. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend watching it so that by the time we get all the way down to, you know, episodes 10, 11, 12, and 13, um, that I have no spoilers in store for you with the movie Rocky, but watch it if you haven't, if you haven't seen it in a while, maybe give it a, a watch. I highly recommend it. Watch, watch one through four. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a great, uh, that's a great thing to kind of dig into. Anyway, so that's what our season is going to have in store for you. And, and so, yeah, let's dig in a little bit more. I gave you some of the backstory there on my first experience really with feeling burnt out it was, you know, the loss of my dad. And so that really sent me on this path. I, um, I tried to work through that for about eight months. And I, I don't know if you can relate to that where you're just, you're feeling this really heavy, horrible weight. And you're like, you keep telling yourself in your mind, I can work through this. I've got this, you know, I've got the tools, I'm equipped. And you try to the whole positive self-talk, but it's just not working. Well, that was me. I couldn't get it to register inside. And this was a first for me. I, I feel like I grew up on positive mental attitude and, you know, my dad ingrained a bunch of this uh, stuff in my head as I was growing up on, you know, um, affirmations and positive thinking and all of that sort of thing. Um, but it, it just wasn't taking hold of my brain at this time. It was just this big um, mammoth, gap in what I loved and what, how I was feeling. And so, so I, uh, I actually, so yeah, six, seven, eight months, I started, you know, just trying, trying to work through it and realizing, coming to the realization that this, it just wasn't working out. And uh, so come like January, about eight months, eight to 10 months later, January of the next year, after my dad passed away, I was realizing I actually needed to resign from my job. And um, I, you know, you don't make that kind of decision lightly, which is your only source of income. And you got two kids and the mortgage and all the, the good things that come with life um, in, you know, your average American middle, middle class America life. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was kind of working through that stuff. And I had a conversation with a dear friend of mine, Stefan Shear. shout out to you. Um, he had been a coworker. And I was on a phone call with Stefan and I was just kind of explaining this whole thing, like what I was feeling and that I felt stuck. And I said to him, I, I was like, I, I know that I need to leave and I need to give my notice because that's the responsible designer thing to do. Um, but I don't know what's next. And his sage advice to me was, well, hey, you know, it's not about what's next. It's about what's important. And he said this in kind of the middle of a bunch of other really wonderful things that I don't remember, but I remember it was, it was like a, you know, not even a second thought for him. It wasn't pulled out as this beautiful quote, but that's what stuck out to me in this call with Stefan was it's not about what's important or it's not about what's next. It's about what's important. And so that really got me searching inside. I started thinking about, okay, if, um, 
I know, you know, I don't know how to redesign my life at this point, but what I do know is I know how to design successful products. I have a 15, 16 year career of, of that proven. And I know the process for designing a great product. And I bet if I just shift that process to myself and design my life as if it were a product I were designing, just apply that same process, I bet I can figure this out. And so I started with what what Stefan said, you know, it's not about what's next, it's about what's important. And I focused on what's important. And just like with a product I would design, you want to understand what the, the, the principles, the design principles are for the piece that you're designing. And so for me, it was asking myself, what is most important to me in my life? And I just, I, you know, took out a piece of paper. I'm a very tactile person. I still love the feeling of pen on paper, but, you know, I, I strongly suggest that you try this if you haven't done it already. However, your preferred format of writing things down, whatever that is, um, you know, break out a pen and paper and write down anywhere from five to 10 things that are important to you, the most important things to you in life. And, you know, for me, these things, I ended up with seven things and I'll share my things just to give you an idea of what they were or what they are. Um, I had put down, I want to be the best mom I can be. I want to be the best girlfriend I can be. I've changed that to best significant other I can be. I've, I've since married my boyfriend. I guess I did all right on that part, huh? <laughs> I mean, I, I've since married my boyfriend. He was my boyfriend at the time though. Um, but whom, whomever in your life is your significant other, I wanted to be the best significant other I could be. I wanted to become a better human being. I wanted to spend every possible breath with people I love doing things I love. I wanted to create space for myself. And and what I meant by creating space for myself was time to breathe, time where I'm not in a hurry, time where I'm not rushing, rushing, rushing all the time, because that was my life up until that point. I just hurry, hurry, hurry. And I wanted to create space, time to think where um, I could just, yeah, just breathe. All right. My next one was something positive. I wanted to put something positive into the world. It occurred to me that there was plenty of negative stuff going on in the world at all times. It did not need my contribution of negativity. Um, (laughs) The world doesn't need my contribution of negativity. The world needs me to put something positive out there. And so that's what I wanted to focus on. And then my last uh, little item of what's important to me was if it's scary, go for it. And, you know, doing stuff like, like public speaking, um, you know, mind you, this was back in, in 2012, 2013, I was really early in my speaking uh, endeavors. And, you know, I'd started speaking at tech conferences and stuff around 2011. And I had done a few and I was getting invited to more and it was really cool, but it was scary, really, really terrifying every time. So I really wanted to focus on doing more of the things that terrified me. This radio show is yet another. (laughs) So so yeah, here we are, right? Um, Still trying to do things that scare me. So that list 
at the time, I just called it my what's important list. And what I realized over time was that, you know, I, I started to evolve this list and kind of move it around and play with it and, and change things. But I always kind of came back to these seven things for me. And you will have your own. Your list won't be the same as my list. You know, you have a higher power that you, um, you know, that supports your belief system and, and all of that. Like, I, I want you to consider that for your list. And everybody should have their own list of things that are most important to them. And so I encourage you to write that down, write down a list of, again, it should be anywhere from five, but no more than 10 things that you can whittle down. And it's probably not going to be like a real quick list for you. It might take days or weeks or even months to kind of iterate and refine, write down a bunch of things that are important to you, and then prioritize the top five, the top, top 10. And, and what I found with my own list was that this list of things that are important to me be, became a compass. In you know, I, I referenced earlier designing for products um, with design principles. When I was designing for products, you would always use those design principles throughout the duration of building a project. Different requests come in, different, you know, there are scope changes and scope creep and all of that sort of thing in building digital products. And I'm sure this applies to many other professions, but, um, you know, I use what I know here. (laughs) So there are things that come in and kind of almost wrecking ball your path to a specific goal, right? And so for a project, a digital project, having design principles are the thing that keep you on your path. And so for me, these seven things, my what's important list became my compass of intention because those are the, like the big picture. These are the things that are important to me. These are the compass that will guide me when all of the wrecking balls of life kind of swing in from this side and from that side. These are the things that are going to keep me on course. I just take out my list the same way I would take out a compass on a hike if I were shrouded in trees and and getting lost. I would take out my compass and open it and look for my true north, right? So this list is your true north. This list of things, it becomes a thing that you can take out um, and, and look at when you're feeling like you're overwhelmed or you're lost and things are, are clouding your vision to where you want to be going. And you take out the list and you look at it and you read it and you go, is this still right? Is it still accurate? And then once you've said, yeah, it is, or you've made adjustments where needed, then you use that to say, okay, this thing has come into my life. Do I say yes or do I say no? And you weigh it against that list. And by weighing it against this list, what I mean is you ask yourself, does this support my list of what's important? So, for example, as I started working through my list of what's important, um, I I ended up leaving my job, the the one that I was telling you about that I had grown greater and greater uh, disconnect from. And it wasn't because it was a bad job. Again, on on paper, it looked great, right? Like I, I worked with people I liked working with. I was working with clients I liked working with. The projects, 
you know, I, it's not that they are meaningless projects, but the kind of stuff I was working on was really where a lot of the meaning had left. Once you have a great loss in your life, sometimes you you really internalize that and think, you know, life is short. And what it is what I'm spending time on what I want to be spending time on? Am I adding any value to this world through what I'm doing? And for me, the answer at that time, you know, is mobile apps for like contacts management apps or, or, or things like that. Is that, am I doing my best to put something I want to put out into the world? You know, am I doing my best at that? And, and the answer at the time was just, no, this isn't the thing I want to be spending my time on. I feel like there's something else I need to be doing. I didn't know what, I didn't know how to get there. But I knew if I just started, started by at least focusing on what's important, I would probably be able to figure it out. And so that's what I started doing. <laughs> so yeah, I started with this list and, I, and everything. Oh yeah. And then kind of back to my story. <laughs> it's like, so I had quit my job. Um, I, and I didn't have a plan, you know, people would say what's next. It kind of goes back to Stefan's quote. It's not about what's next. It's about what's important. Well, I left my job without having anything lined up to fall back on. Now, when I left this job, I did have a lot of folks saying, Hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? A lot of, was very fortunate to have a lot of offers coming my way. And what I decided to do was actually the company that I was leaving ask if I'd be interested in managing a project that they had with a client for a few months. And I, I did, I said yes to that because it was something that I could do just a few hours a day um, max. And I could still focus on working through whatever I needed to do. And, and over time, a few other things started coming in that I would say yes to. And that was how I sustained myself financially. Because that's always a question I get. Well, if you just quit your job, are you independently wealthy? No, I am not. I'll answer that question. I'm not independently wealthy, especially at the time. Uh, didn't even have much of savings account. At the time, I think I had about six grand in the bank, which is a significant amount. Like for me at the time, I felt like a millionaire because I felt like I had the choice to leave and the choice of time. Like I, I thought with six grand in the bank, I can take a month off and figure out what's next or whatever, figure out what's important. And then, you know, maybe another month to kind of, um, yeah, just kind of like maybe try for my next thing if I needed to interview or, or whatever, just kind of figure things out. I had a couple months worth of time um, with my current overhead and, and, and whatnot at the time. So six grand in the bank. I felt like a millionaire. I quit my job and I started writing and I started getting to work. And by writing, I was doing blog posts. I had these lofty goals. I was like, I'm going to write a blog every day about what I'm feeling and going through. And I lasted about three days before, before I fell off track of doing it every day. And, you know, and that's what it became. So, and by it, I just mean, that's what my, my daily effort became. And so I, I said yes to a couple of small jobs to bring in income and not have to use that $6,000 that I had saved so, you know, I was, I was bringing in enough to, to survive off of, keep my kids fed and clothed, keep the lights on in the house, the power, no big struggles that way. Very lucky. Um, but yeah, just enough income to kind of move, 
forward, right? Without, without creating any financial stress. So that was a gift. And um, what it allowed me to do though, is I, I stepped back and I just, I thought about things and I started working through things with my compass of intention in mind. And so compass of intention, you know, being the best mom, being the best girlfriend, becoming a better human being, um, every breath with people I love doing things I love, creating space, something positive. And if it's scary, go for it. So yeah, I, um, I you know, continued my speaking stuff and, um, and, and writing and writing something called personalisms, which was out loud sharings of what I was going through. And interestingly, um, I started getting some offers to write for tech journals and stuff, my experience with user experience and things I had learned, and then using design principles to redesign my life. And so these kind of paid writing gigs started to pop up. And, and that was really cool because it was sort of validating this path that I was striking down. And um, and it was it was really kind of cool. And and what I was doing along the way was a lot of learning and failing, like trying and failing. Um, like I mentioned, the blog, I started blogging, I think over on Tumblr or something like that. And I I just, I was like, oh, I'm going to write every day. And then three days later, I was not writing every day already. Things came up. I was answering emails, you know, just like all this stuff that I hadn't really plotted into my day kept coming up and sidetracking me. And so I realized I was like, okay, all right, if this were a product and we were, you know, moving forward in the design process, you know, I've identified the problem. I understand what problem I'm trying to solve. I'm trying to work through burnout. I'm trying to design a better life for myself. Um, and, you know, with my design principles, my compass of intention in mind, I'm moving forward. Well, this, um, you know, sometimes something would come in like a, a an offer to do, uh, to design an app app came in, for example. And in my like soul, in my gut, I felt like this is not, I should say no to this, but the money was appealing, right? It's like, I was like, oh, they want to pay me a lot of money to do this project. And so I said, yes, against my better judgment, I said, yes. And about two or three months into the project, it, it got one of those things where like, Somebody who wasn't a stakeholder in the beginning of the project was invited in to give feedback, and then it just completely derailed the project. And I am pretty good about standing my ground, about saying, like, look, like, this is what we agreed on. This is what we're going to do. You know, like, this is what is according to our agreement. If we can't do this, then I need to step away from the project. And I ended up stepping away from the project and it felt like such a relief. And it was a jarring reminder of how taking on something that did not align with my compass of intention, it just, it broke down. It wasn't aligned with where I was at. It wasn't a bad project and they weren't bad people. And, and I don't want to imply that in any way. It just wasn't aligned with where I was going where my path needed me to go. And I, I knew that, that, you know, it kind of took me, that was, I, I would call that like a trial and, and failure. And maybe it wasn't entirely a failure because I learned something from it, but yeah, like I went down a path and realized like, you know, I took this on for the wrong reason. Money was never on my, my compass of intention list. Um, when it gets to stuff like money, 
I would put that into our next category of big bulky desires, which we'll talk about in a future episode. But money isn't the thing that drives me. It's, you know, while it's important and it, you know, keeps me in a certain lifestyle that I enjoy and feel comfortable within, it's not the thing that motivates me. And I want to tell you, just like on a side note, I had an amazing conversation with my dad the Thursday before he passed away. So I think I mentioned he had been out on a motorcycle ride and he would swing by my house once in a while and, you know, crash on the couch or, or, you know, the extra room. I don't think I had an extra room at the time. I had two kids by then, but I had a couch. He slept on the couch. Anyway, he stopped by on his way. He was doing some, you know, drive out to Arizona or something. And he crashed at my house on Thursday and then left went out for a few days and then came back on his way back home on that Sunday. And and so the Thursday we'd stayed up talking became a common theme um, in the last few years of my dad's life, where when he would stop by, we had really amazing conversations. And, you know, the way we grew up um, was different. I don't know. My dad was a different kind of guy. He was a Vietnam veteran. He had a lot of emotional uh, trauma. And he, you know, I, I always felt like growing up, we were walking on eggshells. We never knew what was going to set him off. Um, there were times with my dad where, you know, suicide was a very viable dialogue with my dad. My dad, he would, you know, talk about killing himself right in front of the whole family. There was um, mm, some really interesting stories I can share about about that. I feel like those will save for some future episodes, but. Yeah, you know, um, growing up with a Vietnam veteran was a very interesting childhood. And so, yeah, he, you know, he taught us a lot of stuff that I look back at and I'm very grateful for and I think made me a very well-rounded person. Um, I, I haven't had a need to field strip an AK-47 in under five minutes. You know, he had us doing that. My sister and I, by the time we were 12, timed doing stuff like that, like Marine uh, field tactics and stuff. Like he taught, that's how we were raised, right? So I have this kind of interesting background in that way. But as a grown-up, we, um, so I resented a lot of that as a teenage girl growing up. And I, I didn't always get along with my dad. But in those last three, actually really the 10 years after my mom passed away, my dad and I grew a lot closer. And in the last three years, I would say even closer still. And we had these amazing deep conversations about life. And I'd ask him the question on that Thursday. Um, I was like, man, dad, you know, you never had a problem throughout my entire life. If you weren't happy with the job, you'd quit and you'd go do something else. And um, my mom carried the stress of the financial burden, right? Like she was the one who paid the bills. My dad did. I don't, I always felt like he never even looked at bills. Like he, he was like, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, money really didn't carry value in his life other than it gave him the freedom to do things like go skydiving and have a motorcycle and go riding and, and, and whatnot. And so, you know, he valued he valued living much more than he valued money. And I asked him, I was like, you know, you had no problem leaving a, a job on at the drop of a hat. Like, even though you had a family and a mortgage and all of these responsibilities, what, how did you do that? And he just looked at me and he goes, well, I didn't care if we had to live in a tent. We were going to be fine. You know, and I, I just thought, wow, that's, 
that's actually, you know, when you strip away your biggest fears, um, it kind of simplifies things. When you strip away, like what, what scared me from leaving a job, losing my house, not being able to have a safe, warm place for my kids to sleep and, and you know, not being able to provide food or clothing for them to keep them warm and safe and protected. Um, those were my biggest fears. And I thought, you know, if you strip those away or at least break them down to the bare bones, you know, how, how bad it is bad, you know, in the experiences that I've had in my life, I never did have to live in a tent, but I learned from my dad's brother later that they did, they did when they were growing up, they did live in a tent in and out here in the Las Vegas desert, you know, when they had first moved to town in, um, yeah, you know, no running water, you know, no electricity. They had running water from a like a pump. And um, anyway, I should invite my uncle on to share that version of the story sometime. That would be fun. But um, for now, you just said a ticket from me. <laughs> so, so anyway, he shared this this little nugget of of life, and it really shifted my perspective on how much I need and how much I'm willing to sacrifice. And I, in all honesty, it gave me a great deal of bravery to be able to walk away from things that were not aligned with what is important to me. And that freedom is like a weight being lifted. And um, so I, I just can't say enough about, you know, aligning and really identifying what the things are that, um, that scare you the most, you know? And I think when we get, you know, we'll dig into that in our third, our third, bullet point is confess and address. And we'll really dig into that a lot more. Um, let's say episode three, four. And right now our focus is on that compass of intention, but they all tie together. It all comes back to this compass of intention as being the thing that guides you through um, the darkness. When, when everything feels dark, this is the thing. This is the starting point. This is where you can go. You can you know start on your list today and and start to really, you know, flesh things out if you haven't already. And I encourage you to do that. And I'd like to encourage you to share with me if you do that. You don't have to, but um, let's spend a minute on that. Um, I do have an email that I want to share with you in a minute that was sent to me um, by, I, I want to say a listener, but this is the first episode. So, um yeah, bear with me on that for a second here. So what I would like to do, along with sharing my own stories of stuck, um, I want to be able to talk about things that you have gone through. And I would eventually love, my goal with this show is to not just share, but I would like it to become more of an exchange. I would love for you to share your stories of stuck um, if you've used things to work through those, then please do. And you can share with me through my website, coffeewithjamie.com. And I'm going to spell this out for you because my name, Jamie, is spelled a little differently. It's coffee, C-O-F-F-E-E, -E, with, um, and W-I-T-H, Jamie, J-A-I-M-E-E.com. And the easy way to remember that is it's, it's, <laughs> A before I and two E's just like coffee. So J-A-I-M-E-E. -E. And yeah, the two E's just like coffee. Coffeewithjamie.com. And on my website there, there's a, a tab called show. 
you click on the show tab and there's a way to email me. Um, if you prefer Twitter, it's at Jamie Jamie. And again, it's my unique spelling of Jamie twice. Uh, my mom with her two E's. My sister is Kimberly with two E's. So anyway, it's Twitter. It's at Jamie Jamie, J-A-I-M-E-E, J-A-I-M-E-E. And then I have an email address a little different. It's jai.newberry, N-E-W-B-E-R-R-Y at gmail.com. Yes, my name is Jamie Finney. This email is my before I was married email address. So it all goes to me directly. Um, And what I encourage you to do is share as Chuck shared with me um, that your, your uh, story. (laughs) So, um, Yeah. So the story that Chuck shared with me, bear with me for a second because I'm pulling it up. So Chuck, who is Chuck dude on Twitter, I sent out, um, an announcement that I was going to be doing a show through my social media, through my Facebook, which is facebook.com slash coffee with Jamie. Um, but I shared that I was going to be doing this show and with my community, my social community. So over on Twitter and over on Facebook and um, out and about <laughs> in the community through my Instagram coffee with Jamie as well. And, um, and I got a couple of responses. And so Chuck dude on Twitter shared Uh, a little segment of his being stuck that I want to share with you. And then I also want to encourage that this be sort of a building format of the show is where I can share stories. You tell me if you want to remain anonymous, if you have a handle on one of the social outlets that you prefer I use or address you by. Um, However, you know, Whatever you want to share, even if you don't want me to share it publicly and you just want to share with me, you can say so. I can keep things completely anonymous. I respect privacy 100%. And I, um, but I'm very interested in making this a dialogue. So while throughout this 13 episode season, I'm going to share my own stories and these six steps that I use to work through uh, burnout and, and all the life stuck, sticky stuff. Um, I'm going to share my tips, but I really, really want this to be an exchange. I would love for you to share your stories and your stuck stuff and your your tricks and 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 tips for working through the stuck. And so, um, all the show notes and stuff will include ways to reach me. But the easiest I say is through the website coffeewithjamie.com. Click that show tab shoot me an email and uh, let me know what your story is. Let me know um, if it can be shared and if you've worked through it or if you're still stuck, because what I would love also is for you listening to this show to respond. So I'm going to share what Chuck dude from Twitter. um, I'm going to share his email with you, the first paragraph of his email. And I encourage you to respond because Chuck's stuck is still open. It's not resolved. And um, man, I really feel for it. So let's read Chuck's email here. So Chuck dude on Twitter writes, so my dad died just before Christmas in 2019. Now he was a real son of a bitch. So I don't think there's much to miss there, but I do miss my mom a lot. She's 83 and lives with my younger brother in Michigan. I'm in Seattle. When we were there for my dad's funeral, I promised my mom that I'd come back every three months to help her out with stuff. 
but thanks to the pandemic, I haven't been able to make it back there. So this is where I'm stuck. And I, okay, so that is Chuck, Chuck Dude on Twitter. Thank you so much. First of all, thank you for sharing that. Second, I am so sorry for the loss, but I think given the situation and the relationship with your dad, I'm even more sorry for the situation. And uh, I would really love to help figure this one out. But this is a great example of where this, you know, the pandemic, this is pandemic has put so many of us in situations that we're not used to and that have, you know, the entire world, right? It's not just me or you or Las Vegas or Seattle or the United States. This is a global pandemic that's affected so many lives and in different ways. And with Chuck's example of really, you know, caring deeply about his mom, who's 83 years old and who he wants to be there to support, but can't um, given global circumstances, this is a big stuck. This is a way different kind of stuck than, you know, even for me, I haven't experienced this kind of stuck. And so I encourage you, if you're listening and you're hearing Chuck's story, I would like to follow up on Chuck's story next Wednesday with thoughts, care, um, anything that you have to offer for Chuck. And, you know, I'll process it a little bit as well. And I would love to share news stories as well, but I'd love to be able to follow up with Chuck with some meaningful follow-up. And I would love for some of that to come from you, the listeners. So if you have any to share, please do that thing where you go to uh, coffeewithjamie.com, click on that show button and, and give me a shout out and, you know, help, help me out, help Chuck out. And we can, uh, we can really evolve this show, what it is and what I hope it becomes. Um, I don't know. I'm excited about it. So, all right. So I'm going to do a quick little recap here. Um, you know, that segment that we just did with Chuck's story, I really like that to be like an entire third of this program moving forward, like an entire, you know, uh, 15 to 20 minute segment where we're talking about your real situations and working through those. And as we go with my own stories, I have those six things, those six steps that you can do to get unstuck, starting with the one we focused on today, Compass of Intention. Next week, we're going to talk about number two, the big bulky desires. We're going to really dig into big bulky desires, what they are. um, And what that's about is, is what do you want? These are goals, whereas I feel like compass of intention is really the big picture, like the meaning, you know, goals get you to the meaning. Um, they're, they're supportive of the meaning, um, but and then the compass is going to get you there. But the, the goals are things that are, you know, like different, like, like money might be a goal or, um, you know, social status, or I don't know what your big goals are, but if you have some of those, feel free to share those Uh, with me ahead of next week's show. And we'll be able to talk about some of those as well. And as we kind of grow this show into a a proper format, I feel like the first few episodes are probably going to be a lot of learning and, um, and whatnot. So yeah, please share with me. I look forward to hearing from you. Um, I did get another email, uh, very fresh. So I haven't had time to think of it that I can definitely include next week. Um, and so, 
Yeah, I'm excited, but I hope to get more and really stretch this segment of it out. So that makes it way more exciting to me when I can involve you and your own stories and your own practices as well. So, all right, I am, I'm getting on the winding down side of this program. And I would love, in addition to, you know, hearing about your stories of stuck, um, if you would like to help the show out, please share it with someone you think that might get some value out of it at the things we talk about. Um, give it some likes. Um, if there's a, a, you know, a platform that you use, a social media platform that you use, um, give it some likes, give it some positive reviews. If you didn't catch this live, it's going to be posted as a podcast. So you can do it there, wherever you listen to podcasts, it will be available. And I'll share all of that on my social as well. I'm going to recap my social media here for you. Um, coffeewithjamie.com. It's coffeewithjamie.com. Click that show link. There's a little other information there. If you want to learn about me, it's all on that website. Uh, If you're a Twitter user, that's my primary social media is at Jamie Jamie at J-A-I-M-E-E. J-A-I-M-E-E. Yes, Jamie, Jamie, twice, back to back. Um, or my email, J-A-I.Newberry, N-E-W-B-E-R-R-Y at gmail.com. And um, you can reach me through any of those formats. You can support the show. If you even want to uh, offer sponsorship, that's something that will come down the road. Um, I'd like to open up that aspect of it, but I'm not there yet. Fresh and new. So yeah. Oh, All right. So with that, um, helping the show out is really sharing with friends, giving it positive reviews, and then also giving me feedback. Hey, Jamie, here's something that you really sucked at. And I don't know, be gentle, but I can take it. <laughs> so if you reach out to me through one of those channels, um, also, if you're, you know, through the show, sorry, through my web page, there's a link to the Voice America uh, show page. And through there, there are all the other ways to reach me, to reach out to the show. Um, I am really, really excited about feedback. So you can share that with me. Um, And I think with that, I am ready to say goodbye. Have a beautiful week. And I really, really hope you'll join me again next Wednesday uh, for another cup of coffee. Thank you for taking the time for Coffee with Jamie. Please join Jamie Finney again next Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time for another cup of discussion and wisdom on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you then.